0: Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergera.com. All right, give the Lord one more shout and have a seat. Come on, one more shout. He's worthy of it. I'm pretty sure the. what's what happens with a is, is a false prophet zach's the prophet of the house by the way if if is it a false prophet if he says something false from the stage is that when we stone him because he called me five six uh i'm in the middle of my prayer with the lord and he calls me five six that's a lie i am five eight and a half. half five nine in boots okay These irish guys we gotta get all we can you know every 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 millimeter counts Uh. anyways so i love jesus do you love jesus this morning I love Jesus. I, uh, oh, man, I, uh, I'm, I'm wrecked by the Lord. And it's, and it's not just because my wife isn't here and I miss her. She, I mean, two become one. We, you really do. And, uh, man, I almost feel like I, like sometimes I can't do it without her. So, um, I love you, baby. She's watching, she's not feeling super well. So, prayers up for Pastor Adrienne. Reach out to her, flutter inbox with love and care. Sound good? Um, but, man, uh, oh, I love Jesus. And this, this, this past week, you know, we've we've we are 48 weeks into this year. <laughs> Everyone's like, "Matt, we are we are 5 weeks from ending the year." Yeah, but we are 40 48, 48 weeks into it. Today is the 48th Sunday that we have stewarded the prophetic word over this church, fire upon the earth out of Luke 12:49 through 50 where Jesus said his mission statement, what he came to do was to find a people who were so rid of their love and affection of this world that they were so dry they were ready they were a kindled people ready to burn and Jesus says I have a baptism of burning it's called the spirit of God And I will do it once my people are kindled. And so we felt that was a word for this house, in this city, in this region, in this hour, at this time. If the Lord is looking for a kindled people ready to burn for him, will he find such people in Grand Rapids, Michigan? What say you, church? No, tell him, not me. Go, tell him. Say, yes, Lord. Now say it with your chest. That's right. Yes, Lord. He's he's done. The Lord did not send COVID, but he certainly used COVID and cultural Christianity broke. Cultural Christianity died. Comfortable Christianity went to its grave and will never be resurrected. Now is the time and he is looking for a people who will hear the alarm. Not that the bridegroom has come, but that he is certainly coming. And he is looking for virgins who are pure, who are humble, who are lowly, who are contrite, and whose oil is ready, their lamps are filled, and they are burning before the Lord. Amen. Who will we be? Because, man, we have taken 48 weeks to steward one word. So I got to ask, Takeover Church, are you kindled? Are you kindled? Are you burning? Are you ready? If he came today, would you be counted as those found ready or those found foolish? I want to be ready i want to be ready so this morning we're going to continue the stewardship of week 48 we got five more to go actually i think today's the fifth one so we got four more sundays after this four more sundays in 2023 how will we walk into that flip of a calendar he made times and seasons that means when something ends he has a beginning how will you begin what he has for you and this house next year i think everyone loves to preach new year new you i'm not interested in a new me i'm interested in a jesus me amen i'm interested in a jesus you it's got little to do with matt mcclure and it's got little to do with takeover church it has everything to do with seeing jesus take over our lives amen oh so week 48 if you're taking notes the title of my sermon this morning is the consecration of fire, the consecration of fire, the consecration of fire. We talked about it last week. We are going to sprint through the rest of this year, and we are going to be a prepared, ready bride. Amen? If you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. And I intend on making an offering for the Lord of this house until the day he comes or the day we stand before him in glory and i plan on giving him a consecrated ready and set apart holy bride are you with me all right consecration of fire Forgot you your b-i-b-l-e open that bad jackson up to joel too love joel not billy joel but joel Shots fired. There are yeah, see, there's some there's some hippies in the place that are like, you know, he wasn't that good, you're right. Joel 2. Oh. who's the guy that sings nasally? That guy? I don't like him either. What? Don't mess with the boss. What are you doing? Alright, Joel two, coming out of 12 through 32. Some of y'all are getting whiplash, you're like, bro, you preached on one verse last week, now you're giving us twenty of them. All right, here we go. Verse 12, yet even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart. How much of your heart? How much of your heart? That's right, all your heart with fasting and with weeping and with mourning and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God for he is gracious and he is merciful. He is slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and he relents over disaster who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God blow the trumpets in zion consecrate a fast call a solemn assembly gather the people consecrate the congregation assemble the elders gather the children even the nursing infants give it up for Ari and T, or arya and uh, jj let the bridegroom leave his room and the bridegroom or the bride her chamber Between the vestibule, which is a porch, and the altar, let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep and say, spare your people, O Lord, and make not your heritage a reproach. A byword among the nations, why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? Then the Lord became jealous for his land and he had pity on his people. The Lord answered and he said to his people, behold, I am sending to you grain, wine, and oil and you will be satisfied I will no more make you a reproach among the nations I will remove the northerner far from you and drive him into a parched and desolate place his vanguard into the eastern sea and his rear guard into the western sea. The stench and foul smell of him will rise, for he has done great things. Fear not, O land, and be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done great things. Fear not, you beasts of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness are green. The trees bear its fruit. The fig tree and the vine give their full yield. Be glad, O children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given the early rain for your vineyard, for your vindication. He has poured down for you an abundant of rain. And the early and the latter rain as before. The threshing floor shall be full of grain. The vat shall overflow with wine and with oil. I will restore to you the years of the swarming locust, have eaten the hopper and the destroyer, the cutter, my great army, which I sent among you. You shall eat in plenty. You shall be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord, your God, who has dealt wondrously with you. Has anybody been dealt wondrously by God today? Come on, and my people shall never again be put to shame. You shall know that I am the midst of Israel, and that I am the Lord your God, and there is none else, and my people shall never again be put to shame. And it will come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your soul, your sons, and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions, even on the male and the female servants in those days. Yes, I will pour out my spirit, and I will show wonders. In the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke, the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to the blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there shall be those who escape as the Lord has said. And among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we love you. Oh, we do. God, we love you so much. We thank you. We thank you for this moment, God. We thank you that this moment has been ordered, God. That you are still the God who orders thy steps, Lord. That today, God, none of us are here by accident or by happenstance or even purely because we came across an Instagram post or a Google review, God. No, today, Lord, we're here because you called us to this place to experience your presence in this room, your power in your room. God, you in this place, Lord, you have come already and you have begun to turn hearts back to you lord in this moment god you have already begun to breathe on dead dreams you've begun to breathe on broken marriages god you've begun to breathe on people who never knew that you could be a real tangible person that they have a relationship with god today lord you have turned everything around already So, Father, I ask right now that you would shake us, that you would shatter us, and that you would shape us today, Lord, by your Spirit into the image of sons and daughters who bear the image, resemblance, and identity of your one true living Son, Jesus, God. May we begin to look like we are actually a part of the kingdom of heaven. May we begin to sound like we come from the kingdom of heaven. May we begin to think and feel and respond and act like God. We are a part of the kingdom of heaven. Not just in morality and morality alone, God. But in the prophetic and the power and the presence of God. Come in every way and reshape us into your image and likeness. And you will find a yielded people here today, Lord, that say yes. Yes to you and no to everyone and everything else. So Holy Spirit, come. Do what only you can in this moment. We all came to hear you, Lord. Nobody came to hear me. Speak. Your servants are listening. In Jesus' mighty and undefeated name, a church said, Amen. 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 The consecration of fire. The consecration of fire. The consecration of fire. Oh man! Uh, so this this last week we had uh, uh, before Thanksgiving Wednesday we had a prayer meeting and it was amazing. If you were here, you know what's up. If you weren't here, I feel bad for you because the glory was in this room and uh, I don't say that to shame you. I say that to maim you. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But truly, the Lord was in this place and. And, and Grant, our, one of our amazing prayer leaders, Grant Sidney, they, they head up our prayer room and our prayer movement, and they're just the absolute greatest. He saw Grant up here praying. Like, it was amazing, right? You're face-to-face face with Jesus when these guys start leading us in worship and leading us to the throne room. And Grant had made a statement that has really actually messed me up all week long. He made a statement that Wednesday, and I went into it all throughout the weekend and into this week and just being kind of dumbfounded and confounded by it. And he said, Let Pastor Matt, who is the most on-fire man that I know, not be the only on-fire man that I know. And and in the natural, we're like, yeah, right? Like, you want that compliment. I I think we would all love for it to be said of us that we are the most on-fire person that somebody else knows, right? We all desire that. Am I alone? That's amazing. What a compliment. Except for the fact that Grant is my brother, Grant is my friend, Grant is my co-laborer, Grant is on staff here, Grant and I, we do this life ministry and all of this together, it's a joy of my life, and yet at the end of the day, I cannot live on that manna. I cannot live on that word. I cannot have that be my identity. Instead, what happened in that moment is the Spirit spoke to me before the compliment ever touched my heart before the loving words of a brother had a chance to corrupt me by me falling in love with the words of a brother over the love and the words of my Savior, I felt the Spirit ask me, but Matt, are you the most on-fire man that God knows? I want to be. I love Gray. He's one of my best friends. He really is. I feel like I can talk to him about anything, but he's... But there's one like there's one that I want to say that about me there's one that I want to have that compliment spoken there's one place I want that uttered and it's not take over church it's in heaven there's one that I want to say those words and it's not found in the seat here but it's found on the throne of David there and it's Jesus like I want to be the most man on fire that God knows and I and I want to raise a people who share in that heart I want to raise a church in a city in a region in a time and an hour where so many in the world are worshiping political idols saying they'll be our salvation. Where we have found in the last three years now that the church has too turned like the Israelites and we have begun to worship political idols and have said from our platforms and our pulpits, America will turn around when so-and-so is elected. And we... We have few men, few women who are found on the mountain leaning into the glory, setting apart everything else to be with the one. And everyone else below and down off the mountain is found worshiping man made, constructed idols. Now hear me, what I am not saying is that elections and politicians don't matter. They absolutely do. They just don't matter the most. You need to vote. You just don't need to vote the most. (laughs) You need to have sound theology so you know who you should be putting in places of office. Right now we got like one year election cycle and it's about to get nuts. (laughs) Okay, it's about to be crazy. And the Lord is going to do a great shaking in the church again. He is. Because he wants a bride that's his. He doesn't want a bride that's married to a man named Donald or a man named Joe. He wants a bride who's married to a man named Jesus. Am I preaching to anybody? And so yes, we, we elect politicians to save babies. Like We elect politicians who believe that men and women are an actual thing. Okay, we, we elect politicians, yes, who are based in literally reality and hopefully we come across one who's actually filled with the spirit of God and based in the word of God amen but we do not worship them and as much as we're preparing for the end of this year what you've got to understand is this year is going to be insane we're going to see more leaders fall We are going to see more people exposed. We are going to see more political agendas. And all of these things are going to happen. And the internet's going to be exploding. And the church, again, is going to find herself divided against herself. And I'm telling you, that will not pass in this house. That will not pass in this house. Because we serve one. We serve one. We worship one. We love one. We are betrothed to one. And yes, we'll do like a kingdom policy voting night and all those things and we'll talk about what it all means. We did it the last time and it was great. Like this this is big I, I really love this. But we will never hear me. We will never worship idols. You will never worship even me. We don't worship pastors. We don't worship the pulpit. We worship from the pulpit. We worship from the altar. We worship from the concrete. I'm not preaching to anybody this morning, and so we're in this time and place where we're talking about preparation. and And I think I kind of said it at the end of last week, but it, it comes into this week and it comes into everything. Listen, friends, we live in a time and place where the earth, the earth in its entirety, we are in desperate need of revival. We are in desperate need of revival. I am telling you, when the church loses her voice, the world loses its mind. When the church loses her voice, the world loses its mind. The church is not just the bride of Christ, but she is the conscience to the world. See, we don't just have a conscience, we have the Holy Spirit. But those who do not have the Holy Spirit, they are relying on a broken compass called their fallen nature conscience. And they need the word of the Lord as much as the church needs the word of the Lord. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? You see, one of the interesting things is we live in a time and place where um, Christians, they, they don't really, like they love evangelistic things. They love ministries that are mission based like mission minded but what they don't actually love is doing missions and evangelizing <laughs> like we love the idea of it we love to go to the send but none of us are living sent lives <laughs> right like it's interesting because we live at a time and place where it's like well I just don't want to be pushy at work I'm sorry what <laughs> yeah yeah I just you know like like, like if it presents itself what <laughs> like if the occasion arises and I can tell somebody about Jesus and it's not like awkward and I'm not gonna get fired for it like then I'll what friend if, if if that is your response to your workplace and where the Lord has placed you not to just give you financial provision but to use you as a light and a fire in the place that is dark I am telling you the places that are dark will always stay dark unless a light starts shining The places that are dark will remain dark unless someone decides this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, right? It's gonna stay dark. And so we love to talk about these things, we love to go to these things, we love to share these things on Instagram, but what we don't love to do is share the one thing that cannot be disputed, that it cannot be debated. They cannot be overthrown, and that is the truth, the truth that set you free. His name is Jesus, and look at your life. You once were dead, but now you're alive. I preach to anybody this morning. Why do I bring this up? I'm bringing this up because our world is in desperate need of revival, but revival, friends, will only come by a set-apart, consecrated people. But I can tell you this. We will never be consecrated before God. (laughs) We'll never be consecrated before God, in God, with God, through God. If we're not living lives that are open before man. It all plays together. Well, Pastor Matt, I thought I could just come to church and get lit on fire and do my Jesus thing here. So Jesus, Jesus has a couple hours of your life on a Sunday. <laughs> He's Lord of a couple hours. <laughs> He's king of a couple hours. His kingdom is a couple hours long. His kingdom rules for just a couple hours. His kingdom reigns for just a couple hours. His kingdom reigns on Sundays. His kingdom rules on Sundays. Are you hearing me? You see, we're in we're a time and place where the intentionality of Christians, is kind of, it's kind of wavered because we live in, quote unquote, a more modern world. And so we're, we're preoccupied naturally as we have families and kids and jobs and careers and colleges and classes and all the things that come along with doing the human life and yet when we open the good book and we see the scriptures and we see the saints and we see the disciples and we see the people God used, what we see is people who are willing to be inconvenienced to bring about the presence of the one preeminent Jesus convenience will always kill his preeminence convenience will always kill his preeminence why what does preeminence mean it means first <laughs> it means first it means soul that means one that means the only he's he's preeminent in our lives well no he's just preeminent on sunday He's preeminent in our lives. No, he's just preeminent on Wednesdays. He's preeminent in my lives. No, just preeminent on Friday mornings at 6 (laughs) a.m. Preeminent means he is on full display living out loud. You die, he lives. This is the way it goes, folks. Why do I bring this up? Because our world is in desperate need of revival, but revival will never come to a church Revival will never come to a people. Revival will never come to a place that is not consecrated for the Lord. And what is consecration? Set apart. Set apart. Well, I set apart Sundays. He didn't die for Sundays. I set apart 15 minute Bible reading. He didn't die for 15 minutes of Bible reading. He died for the moments when you're tempted. He died for the moments when you want to sleep with that person you're not married to or is not your spouse. He died for those moments when you want to watch pornography. He died for those moments when you want to have one too many drinks when you know you shouldn't have any. He died for the moments when no one's looking. It would be a lot easier to take that that doesn't belong to you. He died for those moments. He died for those moments when you have thoughts about someone that Christ does not share about that person. He died for those areas in your life and in your heart, friends, that you have yet to reveal to him, you have yet to share with anybody, and that you don't allow friends, pastors, leaders, or otherwise to speak into. He died for that. He died to be preeminent. He died so you would be consecrated. He died so that he could have full ownership of your life. What's interesting to me is that when I first met Jesus, I always thought when someone talked about consecration it's it's really not popular you don't hear it a whole lot and the reason that is is because Christians don't like consecration <laughs> we don't consecration is complicated consecration is inconvenient consecration kills you consecration means I got to die to the things that I actually want to still live for and I have to admit that <laughs> consecration means no, no no I actually want to live for the approval of man and God says yeah tell it to me and then die to it. Consecration is the single most uncomfortable, underpreached, overappreciated, underrealized tool in our tool belt. But I am telling you, dying to yourself so that Christ can live is going to be the greatest thing that sets you free ever. You don't need more programs, you need more consecration. We don't need more ministries, we need more consecration. We don't need another service and another thing, although I love it, man. And there's part of me, not really joking when I say this, Lord, help me, because I'm scared to say it. There's a part of me that feels like one day takeover is called to have a 24-hour prayer movement. Sorry, Grant. I feel like there's a great leader in our time and our period who has not stewarded and guarded the mantle that he was given. And as I was weeping literally at 2 a.m. the other night reading the affairs of this man... His own emails, I felt the Lord whisper to my heart, the mantle's yours if you want to pick it up. I don't know when, I don't know how, I don't know where we're going to be, what the world's going to look like, I don't know at that time. But what I do know is that there needs to be a consecrated people in this region that has decided... Before the fight ever comes, before hell ever raises up, before America ever goes down, before anything bad ever hits the airwaves again, there needs to be a people who have already pre-decided he's going to be preeminent in their lives. That they're going to be consecrated unto one. That they are going to live unto one. Consecration is birthed by separation. But it's not, see listen, More Christians live lives separated from God than they do everything else they love. More Christians live lives that are more consecrated (laughs) to the things they love, to the things that they are in allegiance to before they met Jesus than they do the Lord himself. So many of us, we, we live, we will proclaim, we will come here and we will lose our minds, we will weep at this altar, we will go crazy in the seats for the presence of God in the room. And then there's others of us in the room who don't really, we don't really lift our hands. We don't really get after it the way everybody else is. And we, we can't really seem to understand what the big deal is about. And it's probably because some of us, we still have lived lives where we lose our minds in worship at the club. We lose our minds in worship at the party. We lose our minds in worship at the football game. We, live, we lose our minds in worship when we make a great deal, when we sign a good contract, when we get good, you know what I mean? I, I hear a lot of people saying right now is the greatest single living worship movement we've ever seen and I think that's a really great way of complimenting some amazing people, some amazing Levites who have laid down their lives to raise up worship in its proper place in the church for, because for far too long within the church, the act of worship has, has really been relegated to like this opening rah-rah thing that gets everyone excited and doesn't actually bring you face-to-face with Jesus. It's a good setup for the, per, for the preacher. <laughs> I don't want my worship here to prepare your hearts to receive my word. I want your hearts to be prepared to receive his word. And what's interesting is that while, yes, I believe when people say that about the worship movement right now, while I, think it's, while I think it's great, while I love it, at the same time, humans have always been good worshipers, just not good worshipers of God. Humans are great worshipers. Humans are great worshipers. Humans, you don't actually have to teach them how to worship. We, we naturally do it. We just have a tendency to worship that which benefits us the most in the moment. And that's because we don't see Jesus rightly and realize that he is the single greatest thing to ever happen, ever. Not just to you, not just to Pastor Matt, but he's the greatest thing ever to happen, period. Not just to anybody, but period. He's the greatest. I appreciate anybody. Like, he's the greatest and I wonder, I wonder as I'm, as I'm, as I'm teaching our own team this, as I'm, as I'm trying to get this ingrained in me, if I want to be the most on fire man that God knows, I, I've got to wonder, like, like how often, how often do we think about God in a way of preparing ourselves to be married to him, in a way of preparing ourselves to be led by him fully, in a way of preparing ourselves to actually live this thing, call Christianity out loud, live, and live in living color, friends. How often do we actually think about these things before Sunday (laughs) like I started asking this a few weeks ago and just pondering to myself I'm like does anybody else think about church like on Tuesday and not just like church is not like come here and have a great time in the presence of the Lord but like but like the church but like the people but like what we're called to do like what we're made for see friends the time is over the time is over where it's simply built on pastors and pastors alone we've done that do you know what happens when you build on pastors they get corrupted they get corrupted doesn't matter how ugly they are doesn't matter how good looking they are doesn't matter if they got money, doesn't matter if they got all of the money, doesn't matter how notori- notorious their ministry is or how infamous their ministry is, doesn't matter. The second we begin to build our life in Jesus upon a man or a woman, friends, I cannot handle the glory you wish to give me. No pastor can All the glory. It's better than just a good song. It belongs to him in reality. I appreciate anybody this morning. It's hilarious. I've got some great friends from uh, New York here, by the way. Shout out to New York. Come on. (laughs) If you need uh, any good apples, I hear they got the best. They own an apple farm. It's amazing. But the first time we had the opportunity to go and preach in New York, it was hilarious because... I got so humbled. We were in New York City, and New Yorkers, they just asked them. They don't hold their tongue. They don't, they don't care to placate you whatsoever. And so the guy, I was preaching at this conference, and it was awesome. Thanks to the Lord for the opportunity. It's really cool to go and do that and be with some friends. And it was amazing. And we saw a guy had, like, screws in his wrist, those, you know, in the presence of God, prayed over him, disappeared, He started doing push-ups. It was an amazing time. Like, Spirit and Truth Conference, King's Church, we love you guys. It was an amazing moment. I'm preaching on the book of Acts, dur, and I'm doing my thing. And all of a sudden, like this guy comes up to me and he's like, oh, Pastor Matt, that was so good. It was so great, man. You just absolutely killed that. You bodied that message. He's New York, you know. You bodied that message. And I was like, the sermon. It's okay. Um, and I was like, thanks, man. It was all the Lord. And he goes, well, it wasn't that good. And I'm like, you're right. <laughs> Say no more, <laughs> right? Like, like that, is, that is how serious we have to get about this thing, though. That's how sober we have to begin to evaluate our place in this. It's about him. It's unto him. It's by him. It's for him. Like, I believe, like, man, I was just talking to our interns about this. Like, the fact that we have got a music category at the Grammys and the Dove Awards where Christians get praise, notoriety, and little golden idol statues for writing worship songs that the Lord gave them is wild. wild. I'm not saying you shouldn't get paid for your gifts and talents and stewarding it well. You should, that's amazing. I support all of that. What I'm saying though is little golden statues and the praises of the world, I'm, I'm kind of concerned as the motivation here. <laughs> I'm kind of concerned about the golden calf that's being fattened and raised up than the giving you at the Grammys and at the Dove Awards. I'm kind of concerned about like what is it in your prayer time and in your personal time and your songwriting time that you're going after? Is it something that brings God into a room or is it something that brings praises of man from that room? Like what is your goal? You see this is the time and place that we live in and this all has to do with consecration. This all has to do with being set apart. This all has to do with living lives that are no longer pastor-centered churches that aren't pastor-centered. We have roles. Yes, we're called to lead. Yes, it's great. I love it. I appreciate being honored. I appreciate you praying for me. I appreciate all of those things and the role I have in your life. I approach with fear and reverence and awe, but I'm telling you, friends, if that is what we continue to do at the church at large, macro and micro alike, if that is how the church continues, she will not survive because we continue to worship man above God. And the best part about this is that we need more pastors preaching this very message. Listen, can I just tell you, because we live in a world, and I'm not, I'm, I'm underneath no illusion that the only messages people in church listen to are my sermons. Like, I'm not under any illusion that that happens. But can I tell you this, and kind of give you a bit of a challenge, and a bit of a, just want you to be sober when you're going throughout your week, and you're getting filled. Can I tell you, Be weary. Be on guard about messages that are all about you. Be on guard about sermons that are all about you. You know what's interesting? Is that varying even the degree of which we changed. One point Christians said sermons, which is why we do it because that's Jesus' word, okay? And then we changed it to messages to placate and make it palatable to people. And it's like, well, It seemed to work really well for him. (laughs) Sermon on the Mount, greatest message ever preached. We should probably quit saying message and just get back to calling it sermons, right? What I've realized is is messages are man-centered, sermons are God-centered. Messages are man-centered, sermons are God-centered. See, this this thing, it's, it's gotta be unto him, by him, through him, and with him, amen? Unto him, by him, through him, and with him, friends. It has to be or else the church will not remain. She will fold because I'm telling you, if you live and worship for me or any other pastor or any other idea or any other leader or any other thought notion around church or Christianity as a thing, as an institution, as a publication, as a place, as an organization, if you do that, when the world turns, and when that great and powerful and awesome day of the Lord comes, friends, when everything goes upside down, who will you be found listening and responding to? the one true living God or the world and the fallen church and the people around it that are spewing everything else but the living word of God. This is my job. This is what I'm called to do. This is literally what I've given my life for is for me to arrive at this place and for you to arrive at this place. And then once we're all in this place, we build from this place and we get more people to this place. And then we just keep going further and further and deeper and deeper and and greater heights with God. (laughs) Amen. I don't know if God will ever write me a tombstone. <laughs> but if Grant does it, I don't want it to say the greatest, the, the most on fire man that I've ever met. But if God were to do it, I would, I would, I would, I would live my life and I would give my life. I would give every breath in my body, every waking thought, and hopefully every dream thought as well. God, hopefully he's consuming my dreams him to say this is a man that was the most on fire man that I ever knew and I want you to have that same prayer you see here's Joel one of our minor prophets and I love the minor prophets. we've just been in the minor prophets right now but the interesting thing about the minor prophets is that they're all about preparation and consecration they're all about preparation and consecration you see even this small sector of people Israel at the time like yeah there's like a lot of them, but it's small in comparison to the rest of the world, right? In the small sector of people, Joel is found and he's saying, listen, you need a return. You need to return to God. You need to return to your love of God. See friends, there was a time and a place where every single one of us, we met Jesus, we fell on our face, we either had an incredibly emotional moment, incredibly uh, introspective moment, we had a moment where something happened on the inside of us and we met the one true living God and we realized we could not carry on life as we once knew it because we have met the one who spoke us into existence. I have come into relationship. I have met you, and now that I've met you, I cannot deny you. I have to respond to you. I have to acknowledge you. I have to come under your lordship, your headship, your kingship, your rule, your reign. Amen. We all had that coming to Jesus moment. It's in that moment, friends, where everything, it's an endless possibility moment where we begin to dive deep into the wells and depths of God. You know what I've realized about salvation moments? depending on the soil it was found in birthed in, will be the depths that you are birthed in. And what I mean by that is, depending on the church or the people that led you to the Lord, oftentimes they are the determining factor for how deep of a conversion you initially get. Do you know how many people I've seen come to know the Lord And yet they spurted out and fizzled out within two weeks because the people around them weren't as hungry, weren't as burning, weren't as thriving, weren't as thirsty, weren't going after it as much as this new found salvation was after see what if we cultivated a church what if we cultivated a place that in 2024 as God continues to add to our numbers weekly as God continues to send people here what if they didn't have to fight to stay on fire but they were found birthed in fire remained in fire and we just kept getting hotter together what if they were found in a place where Joel wouldn't have to speak to us like he's speaking to Israel where Jesus would have to come and say return again to me have you ever heard think about that phrase return again That means you had to return before. That means you got distracted. Your heart got bought. You got attention taken away. There was already something at some point in time that took you away once. And now again? Are you hearing me? This is the moment. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is where truth comes into perspective. Where we begin to see him rightly. And we decide, yes, Lord, I am going to return to you. And I hope you never have to say those words to me again. And we begin to build a church that cultivates where you are going to be the hottest We are going to be the brightest. We are not going to get concerned with so many things. We are going to be concerned with the one thing. Staying on Jesus. It's interesting because then he does this. I love this moment. Joel, he literally, so he's a prophet of the Lord. He's a minor prophet. I love the minor prophets. And he's speaking to Israel on behalf of God. And it's interesting because in this moment, he says something in this next line. He says, rend your hearts, not your garments. Rend your hearts not your garments, red your hearts, not your garments. Now, if you've been a part of Takeover Church for any point in time, you know I love the book of Isaiah and you know I love Jesus and you know I love the whole B-I-B-L-E. It's the book for me, in fact. I love the Bible. But one of my favorite things to talk about is, God, would you rend the heavens? Because I love that moment where Isaiah is prophesying. He is saying, God is going to rend the heavens. He is going to split the heavens. He's going to create an open heavens. And he is going to pour out on his people. He's going to pour his spirit out. And I love that moment. I believe we, we as a church, we actually host somewhat of a thin space like this. I believe in this room, God has absolutely done that. He has rend the heavens above this place, this 5,000 square foot little warehouse (laughs) used to be a part of the Grand Rapids uh, airport back in the day. He has taken this old airplane hanger and in it he has opened up the heavens. But what I believe he is saying to this church is the same words that he spoke to the prophet Isaiah or prophet Joel over Israel. And he is saying, rend your hearts, not your garments. You see what's interesting, we're all saying rend the heavens, Lord, send revival, break it open, God. And he's like, how about... You open yourself, you break yourself, you get ready so I can pour into you. How about you consecrate yourself? But then it's interesting. He says, rend your hearts, not just your garments, which means, friends, it's actually about the old priest when something blasphemous would happen, which is wild. They would just have a hissy fit and start ripping their clothes off. But... What if I told you in this moment the challenge for you and I in this generation, in this hour is going to be to render our hearts and not our garments. What does that mean? It means it's easy to play the part of a Christian. It's a lot harder to be a Christian. It's a lot easier to pray prayers for revival in church. Oh God, would you have said revival? You see, everyone, I think everyone loves the idea of Revival but not everyone's in love with the cost of revival. You see, everyone loves the yell of revival, but not many people are interested in the cry of revival, the tears that revival comes off the backside on. You see, so many of us, we are in love. We are in love with praying for things that we're actually not willing to pay for with our lives. We are in love of praying for things and coming into agreement with things, but then being found not giving our affection in our lives and our allegiance in our tears and our cry in our late hours and our morning hours and our lives to that thing. Friends, God cannot, listen, God will not send revival where He doesn't bless. And God will not bless a place He hasn't broken. God only blesses that which he breaks. Have you ever seen Jesus bless anything that he didn't break? This is my body broken for you. But he, Jesus took the bread. He blessed it. He broke it. He multiplied it, right? Well, pastor, are you saying that he only blesses men and women that he breaks? Yes. <laughs> well, pastor, show me in the Bible where it says that. Okay, open your Bibles. Go for it. Open your Bibles. Just open them. Just open your Bibles. Open your Bibles. As your Bibles open, start reading start reading anybody God did a great work in in the word of God he first broke first have you ever read it God will only bless that which he breaks and he only breaks that which he tends to use greatly I'm telling you the Lord hasn't broken you yet there's another level to your relationship If the Lord hasn't broken you yet, there's a greater ministry ahead of you. If the Lord hasn't broken you yet, I'm telling you, friends, people are going, man, I want the Lord to bless me. Has he broke you yet? I want the Lord to bless me. Has he broke you yet? Revival comes where he blesses, and he only blesses that which he breaks. And why does he break you? So that you can be consecrated, set apart, pulled from the pack, and living only for him. And so what is that word for you and I? Rend your hearts. Rip yourself open. You want heaven to rip open over you? You rip yourself open prepared for heaven to rain down on you. I appreciate anybody this morning. You see, this is what he does. This is who he is. He is about, I love blessing. I love pouring out. I am so ready, but you have got to meet me as I instructed. You have got to meet me as I have decided, as I have called, as I have made up in my mind. This is the order. This is the way. See, we're all looking for revival and it's the greatest need. But it can't just simply be a prayer and prayer alone. There is a rending that must take place. And before he will rend the heavens, he is looking for a man or a woman to rend themselves. But not just in garment. See, these priests at the time, they would, they would rip open their garments and they would wail, they would flail. And there's a part of that for sure, like that happens all the time. Absolutely, there is a time for you to fall just inconsolably before the Lord where he is just moving upon you. But you know what I have found about people who are inconsolably moving and just being wrecked by the Lord? They had gotten rend. <laughs> They have torn themselves open before the Lord and made a way for that moment to happen. You see, we we want God to do everything, and He goes, I already have, you just haven't taken advantage of it. I've given you Jesus, that's everything. I broke his body, that's everything. I've poured his blood, that's everything. I gave you his spirit, that's everything. <laughs> You know, I'm the guy who loves to scream, more, Lord. But every time I do, I hear a whisper back, more, Matt. More, Matt. And then I fight him, and I'm like, more, Lord! He's like, more, Matt. I'm like, more! He's like, more? (laughs) More! (laughs) More. (laughs) Like, that's how he does things. I didn't make him, I didn't design him. It's not my job to question that. It's my job to see that he is good, he is right, he is just, he is merciful, he is kind, he is loving and he is perfect and I have to then acquiesce and change and respond to that accordingly. And so if he says, rend your hearts and I'll rend the heavens, well then friends, I don't get to ask for the rend the heaven if I'm to rend my heart. Pour out such a blessing in this place, Lord. Have you prepared yourself to receive it even if I did it? Send revival to this region. Matt, have you prepared yourself? Have you prepared your people? Lord, I've given you an entire year. You give me 48 weeks, Matt. I will, I will finish it. <laughs> but this is, this is what he's asking. You see, because what's interesting here is then he begins to say this. He goes, consecrate the congregation. He says consecrate a fast what does that mean we're gonna set apart time for a fast which we will in the new year it's gonna be awesome get ready for it can't wait but he says consecrate a fast call a solemn assembly what does that mean a time of weeping and repenting and then he says listen you gather and you consecrate the entire congregation the entire congregation i'm talking infants that are still nursing he says he's like you get babies you get elderly and you get everybody in between you know what that means the way west michigan christianity has existed for so long doesn't work in god's story doesn't actually work in god's plan where the young people are the ones losing their minds in worship and the old people are the ones going yeah they'll get it one day all the prayers don't get answered tell me when i'm telling lies Is that not the world that we live in? Is that not the region that we come from? Is that not where God has sent us to be? Is that not how the cultural Christianity climate is here? Where the old people sit in judgment of the young, where the old people have the wisdom that the young need, and the young have the zeal that the old need, but the two can't get along long enough to impart the gift to each other? And I'm telling you, he says, call the entire congregation. I mean, shoot, babies were with Jesus face-to-face sooner and most recently before you and I were. Some of y'all are like, yeah, that makes sense. Actually, yeah, when you say that, that checks out. They came from the Lord. That's true. And if you're below the age of six, the stork. But I'm telling you, like there's a reason God said this to Joel. It's because, friends, when Peter calls us a priesthood, Listen priestly ministry stopped being solely for the priest and became the priesthood i'm telling you in the new testament when jesus comes and he gives of his life he gives of his body he gives of his blood as he comes and he gives of his spirit what takes place in that moment is it goes from building a life of ministry to god relationship with god worship of god conversation with god communion with god based on one guy And then it goes into the congregation. It goes into the royal priesthood. It goes into you and me. You See, there's a reason Joel said, no, you gather everybody. No, we, we live in a time and place where we'd rather pastor fast for us and then tell us what we need to do. It's not like that no more. God isn't interested in playing those games. He doesn't want to be betrothed to simply pastors. He wants to be betrothed to the bride of Christ. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? I'm telling you, yes, we have our roles. Yes, the church was made in a specific way. Yes, we have order and and hierarchy and all these things that God set in place, and it's good, and we affirm that, and it's amazing, and we love it. And yes, that's good, but I'm telling you, the days of your pastor laboring in prayer on your behalf, laboring in fasting on your behalf, laboring for revival on our region's behalf, those days, friends, they died when the world got locked down. We wonder why mental health and all these things, they plummeted and the suicide rate went up and all the things happened, right? It's because pastors were completely comfortable being the mouthpiece for the Lord in their community. And yes, they are to an extent, but they did not do the job of equipping their people to have a relationship with the Lord should there be a time and a place... Where there's governmental overreach, fear is Lord, and everything is shut down. We wonder why less than half the church came back. It's because less than half the church actually knew how to talk to God before the lockdowns happened. It's because less than half the church had a relationship with their creator before it happened. I'm telling you, this is the time. He says, listen, you consecrate a fast. You set apart a time, and you grab everybody. As you consecrate, you set apart, you go after this with all that you have. He takes it literally from the pulpit to the carpet. And he says, it's everybody. It's everybody for me. This can't just be the high priest's ministry. This can't just be the pastor's ministry. This has got to be every single one of you. You wanna know why? Because I know where Joel 2 ends, I know where Joel 2 leads. What's interesting in this moment is that following this, so the consecration has happening, the fast is happening, and then God says this. He says, I will give you grain, wine, and oil. And you will be satisfied. So there's a fast that happens. We consecrate this fast. There's a setting apart that happens. We all come together. We consecrate. We get set apart, completely putting Lord Jesus as preeminent in our lives, right? And then he has this moment where he says, and then. So rend your hearts. Don't just play it. But do it. Live it. Be it. Rend your hearts. Consecrate yourself. Set yourself apart for my purposes. Everybody all together, all at once. Not you do a Daniel fast and I'm doing, you know, my vegan thing over here and, you know, I'm just, you know, living on grapes. No. We do an actual fast. None of those junior fast stuff, okay? It's funny. People are always like, yeah, but my health stuff. And I'm like, but what if you actually just gave the Lord a chance? Pastor Matt, you're telling people to do things that are not medically advisable. I tend to believe someone who's much older and all of our earthly wisdom. <laughs> and I'm willing to take that bet. Sue me, you know? Adrian's so mad that I just said that. So we do all that, and then he says, this is, this is actually the reward. He says, I'm gonna give you grain. I'm gonna give you wine. And I'm gonna give you oil. And you will be satisfied. What's so interesting about that is that Joel 2 is literally the first sermon ever preached in the church. Joel 2 happens in Acts 2, which is amazing. Peter stands up after the Holy Spirit falls in their midst. After they stayed and they waited and they did just as Jesus instructed, not anything he didn't instruct, not anything he didn't say, they did everything to a T only as he said. 120 state after he appeared to 500, and all of a sudden we see Joel 2 played out amongst them. The Spirit of God falls. Peter stands up, preaches the first sermon in a church service ever. And it's literally, he's not just preaching Joel 2, it's the fulfillment of Joel 2. But what's interesting about Joel 2 is that he says, I will give you grain. A.K.A. a body. I will give you wine. A.K.A. the blood. And I will give you oil. A.K.A. the spirit of the living God. And you will be satisfied. Worship team, you can make your way up here. Are you seeing the levels of galactic and cosmic chess that our God has been playing forever? You couldn't write this on your best day? J.K. Rowling couldn't put this in a movie. Like this is impossible. That this would happen just as God said it without it being ordained and written by God. And he says this. He says, I'm going to give you grain and I'm going to give you wine and I'm going to give you oil and you will be satisfied. I think one of the greatest deterrents to Christianity today, is that we haven't gathered everybody and consecrated fast. The greatest deterrent is that we haven't consecrated ourselves, that we haven't called a solemn assembly to weep. One of the greatest deterrents is that instead of doing those things we've preached the body we've preached the blood we've preached the spirit but we haven't done the things to prepare a church prepare a people prepare a person to receive those things because there's a manner in which you receive those things and it will actually satisfy you you see so many of us we live lives where we're not satisfied we live lives where we worship other idols and we're easily pulled away and we easily get distracted and it's like well why isn't God enough for me Why isn't his presence enough for me? Probably because you haven't prepared and consecrated yourself to receive him in a manner of which you will receive him fully and therefore you'll realize, oh, he more than satisfies me. He more than satisfies me. Consecration always precedes visitation, my friends. And we're looking for God to come and we're looking for God to blow and we're looking for God to move in a room and move on a generation and move in a people and move in a region and move at a time where we are in desperate need of him. And he is saying, listen, consecration precedes visitation because if you're not prepared for me to come, you won't know what to do with me when I actually arrive. You see, revival, when it arrives, it's beautiful. But it comes through a broken gate, a torn veil, and a consecrated people. Revival is beautiful when it comes. But it arrives through a broken gate, a torn veil, a consecrated people. There's only one way by which revival and the Spirit of God will fall. And we see it in Joel 2, and we see it in Acts 2, and this is it. Setting apart ourselves for Him living how He says to live in a manner of which we rid ourselves of everything else and we open ourselves up to one and one only. Would you stand? Stand. you see up until this moment I conveniently left out potentially my favorite part of this entire passage it's this moment where the bread and the wine and the oil has already been prophetically given so to speak and it's before the moment where the spirit of God falls and all of a sudden you see young men and young women having dreams, and old men and old women having visions, and vice versa. And we just see all revival break out. That is a picture of revival. But something happens in between those two places, you see, because he doesn't just break in, and he doesn't just break through. God first comes and he has to break things up. I think Christians belong to pray prayers. Like, God needs you to break in on this situation. He goes, okay, but I'm coming. I'm going to break you up while I do it. Well, no, no, I don't need you just to break up. I need you to break in and then break through. Yeah, but I, I got I to gotta have a stop at you. Where <laughs> I ready you for what I'm about to do. No, God, I don't need to get ready. I'm ready. I'm desperate now. You're not desperate enough. I'm pretty sure I'm ready, God. I'm pretty sure you're not, he says because I don't just break in and I don't just break through when I break in I plan to break up and I will break up before I break through because God only blesses that which he breaks because he can only break that which is set apart for him that which has been offered to him the bread on the day that Jesus had that moment it says the bread was given over to him and he what broke it and blessed it Jesus plans to take Jesus plans to break Jesus plans to bless and Jesus plans to multiply but it must first be what given over to him and so in this moment Joel says so you've made yourself ready you've received everything and you're satisfied and here comes the spirit but before the spirit comes before God moves and breaks out in revival what needs to happen I need the priests, but remember we're New Testament Christians, so you can read it like I need the priesthood, I need the royal holy nation, I need my bride to be between the porch, the vestibule, hate that word, and the altar. And what is she doing? What is she doing, Jesus? She's weeping and praying. She's weeping and praying. What does that mean? It means when God breaks you, he intends to use you. He doesn't set you apart or consecrate you just so you're nice to look at. No, he breaks you and consecrates you so that he can use you. See, this is the manner in which the church was called to exist, made to exist, and needs to begin existing like again. Because friends, it's without these things in this order. This is why we don't reach our workplace. This is why we're not a light where we go. This is why we don't live this kind of life. Because we have not gone in order. Glory follows order. Anytime God comes in, it's because a people have prepared. And once you've prepared, all of a sudden, you know what happens is you're fully satisfied. And because you're satisfied, now you're like, wait, wait, wait. I've actually, I've obtained everything this life has to offer me because what I've actually been given, what I've actually received, this life could never offer me. But then I see my friends drowning themselves in pornography. I see my friends drowning themselves in, bo- in bottles. I see my friends drowning themselves in other lovers. I see my friends drowning themselves in careers and pursuits and all these things. Like I see them drunk on everything else but the spirit, filled with everything else but the spirit, living for everything and anyone else but Jesus, completely unsatisfied just to wake up and repeat the process again. So what do you do the only response to being a person completely consecrated and completely satisfied is to leave your home come before the altar leave your porch come before the altar and weep and pray and intercede stand in the gap and plead the case and pray for those who do not yet know him those who have not yet not even been crew uh, not even been consecrated almost like crucified huh? well technically not been consecrated but those who have not even had the opportunity to be satisfied you see there's order to revival there's order to glory there's order to the church there's order to how you and I as sons and daughters we're called to be So right now, we may not be calling a fast, but I am calling you to consecration. And I'm calling the end of this service a solemn assembly. That in this moment, what we're gonna do, friends, is we're gonna do just that. You are already here, you're already before the altar. And we're gonna begin to cry out for those that we know do not yet have the Lord Jesus and we're going to say a prayer that is going to literally scare all of hell out of you but will be the greatest invitation of heaven for your life after following Jesus and it's this Lord send me to them send me to them I got Karen at work, I got Jim at work, I got my boss this and this guy at my gym, he's sleeping with all the girls here and not his wife. Like like these people are in desperate need of what you and I, we possess. And part of revival breaking out, part of God sending his spirit is you and I getting beyond ourselves, being fully satisfied in him. Where our tears aren't saved for the moments that we need them but our tears are actually offered up as an offering unto the lord coming around and praying for the people who are in desperate need of him dare i say most christians have never thought about how they save their tears for themselves (laughs) but the second i said it we started going oh when is the last time I weep for my co-workers who don't know Jesus? When is the last time I weep for my prodigal son who doesn't know Jesus? When is the last time I came before the Lord and I began to ask him, God, would you come? Would you come and save my kids? Would you come and save my wife? Would you come and save the people that I'm around? You sent me to them. Will you send them, God? Would you save them, God? So our amazing worship team, they're going to lead us in a song called Break It Open. We didn't plan this, actually, it was the Lord. They did that. This is what we're going to do. calling a solemn assembly, where in this moment, wherever you are on that journey of order, that's where I want you to engage God in prayer. If you need to be consecrated, your prayer in this moment needs to be. Lord set me apart for you pull me away from everything else that I love and set me apart for you show me how to make you preeminent and priority in my life if that's already been a place it's like Lord show me how to fast show me how to break off everything that hinders me show me how to be holy and holy yours God and then from that place Lord show me how to be satisfied in you show me the other things i've been feeding on drinking sitting at the tables i've placed myself at all the other plates that have looked appetizing so i ate off them everything else but what you've offered me oh lord show me how to eat solely from your table at your plate with your cutlery your everything show me how to taste your wine and be spoiled by everything else show me and then i want you to cry out for somebody listen so many people we play really dumb games in our head oh god there's so many people that need to be saved like that no the lord still loves the one so what i want you to do is i don't want you to think about getting your whole workplace saved i don't want i don't want you to think about all your kids that need the lord I don't want you to think about all the people you know firmly on their way to hell fast. In this moment, I want you to ask the Lord for one name, for one person that you can begin to get into the fire with and go after. To love on Mondays, to love on Fridays, to love when it sucks, to love when it's hard. To pray for and be up in their face and say, listen, I know how you're living and Jesus has more for you in your workplace when others are watching. When it's uncomfortable and it might end up being costly. But this, if we're gonna pray for revival, we're gonna pay for revival. How do we pay for it? With our lives. With our lives. So I'm gonna pray. They're gonna to begin to sing. I invite you to come up to the altars. You can stay where you are if you want, but the Lord tends to move a whole lot more when we get out of our comfort zones, amen. You can go up to the upper room if you want you can move around anywhere you have the run of the cabin as they say i'm going to pray and you and i we are going to have a solemn assembly with the lord amen father we love you father right now i ask lord i ask lord right now god that you would come i ask that you would come in this moment lord and you would show us show us god where we are god show us lord our role in all of this show me god that it's not just about a pastor with a title but god you've called me your priest show me how to fulfill my calling as a priestly minister before you god how am i a priest at the gym how am i a priest at the workplace how am i a priest in my family how am i a priest to my kids how am i a priest to my drug addict neighbors god how am i a priest to those that i don't love and i don't want to be around god show me how to be a priest Father, I pray for consecration right now to fall in this room. I pray for a great moment, God, a great awakening in this room, God, that we would realize visitation only comes by consecration, God. And we want to see you, God. We want to see you in our rooms, and we want to see you in our region. We want to see you in the little places, and we want to see you in the big spaces. God, we want to see you ruling and reigning, taking over everywhere. Your bride touches her feet, God. So come, show us, show us. Show us the consecration that you ride in on. Show us the separateness. Show us how to live so set apart that burning for you is natural because we're closer to you than we are anything else. Show us Lord right now. Show us how to weep for those God that you love that maybe we overlook. That you want that maybe we don't care for that you desire, that you have called and said, that is mine. I've got a call on their life. But it begins with you fulfilling yours. Show us, God. Show us, God. Show us, God.